in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hello again. Hello, folks. <laughs> we're back. We are back after our little holiday. Doesn't it just seem like we're on a constant vacation these days? It does. Well, it is kind of sweet because we do get all of the Chinese holidays, and then we usually、mm-hmm. sneak in some time to go home over the summer. So we are a、yeah. little little spoiled over here, aren't we? Yep. <laughs> But we don't have another one till new, new Christmas, I guess. Yeah, we'll have a, like one or two days、yeah. for Christmas, but then the long holiday because Chinese New Year this year is really early.、Mm-hmm. Starts in the middle of January. Yeah, so that's good. Something to look forward to. Yeah, countdown. Yep. <laughs> well, you've got a different kind of countdown. I do, and it is counting down. What、nine. is what is your、uh, estimated time of arrival? <laughs> well, my due date is twenty eight days from now. But as all the babies in my family come early, my guess is it's gonna be maybe two weeks from now. Not long. Not long at all. <laughs> <clears throat> Yesterday I went. Here's a little mini update, and then we'll be done with this part of it. <laughs> Yesterday I went to the doctor, and、um, it's always been such a zoo because I'm going to this like it's supposedly the best state hospital, state-run hospital or public hospital in、uh, in Shenzhen. Beijing University Hospital, and it's a zoo. And every time I've left there, I've left with just like tears of frustration and just this depressed feeling of、mm. I can't believe because you know this is my first pregnancy, my first baby. So you're nervous. You want to ask people questions. You want people to be patient with you, and none of that has been happening. But yesterday, for the first time, I left with a big old smile on my face because um, so in typical Chinese way, I called a friend of a friend to um take me around for my appointment just so that it was much faster, so I didn't have to stand in all the lines. Yeah. And when we got to the final step, the office that we needed to go to was closed, and so I called my friend and I said, "Is there any way you can just like get a doctor to do this final test for me?" Um, just because I don't want to have to come in again tomorrow, because I mean I'm still working, and so I just want to. And I need to record the podcast. I need to record it. <laughs> It's true. Um. So yeah. So she's like, "Okay, I'll arrange something." So they actually brought me to the delivery room where two like t- this is where I'll be for the actual delivery, and so two other women were in active labor while I was there, which was. On the one hand, like you'd think, oh, that might scare some, because I could hear like women screaming down the hallway and literally babies being born. Like I could hear the <laughs> first breath of two, like because I, I had to sit there for half an hour with um, like a this they gave me this button thing, and then I was supposed to press the button every time I felt the baby move, and I had to sit there for half an hour, and I heard literally two babies being born <laughs> within the half an hour down the hallway. So it was kind of crazy, but actually I found it really. Somehow calming and like really inspiring. Yeah, and I asked them about because my concern was that because I know in the West they、um, they encourage a lot of pain medication for the most part and like、um, intervention, but in China they said, well, I'm sure in private hospitals it's different, but in this public hospital they said we don't offer pain medication, and so I was kind of like, yes, 
Yeah. Because I know if I have the option to take it, I will, in the moment, I will t- just totally take it. But it's, I'm, I'm surprised, pleasantly surprised that most of the births that are done there are natural, which is not the same in private hospitals in China. You know, yeah. it's very similar to the, to, well, I don't know if it's like this in the West because of insurance purposes or because it, you can rack up a higher hospital bill in, in the West, but they tend to do a lot of C-sections. Mm. But at the public hospitals, they just don't have the resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they just do they just do the C-section when it's absolutely necessary. So I'm actually feeling really good. And they had, like, birth balls and, like, the room was quiet. And you're in the room with other women, which is something that I thought I wouldn't like. Yeah. Like, the idea of laboring next to a stranger to me was kind of weird. But I found it somehow really calming to be in that room because I was like sitting in there with them while they were going through their contractions and stuff. And I was telling Holly earlier, like, I don't think I've ever seen a woman in labor is as an adult. Like I remember kind of when my mom had my youngest sister, but as an adult, I don't think I've ever seen it besides on TV. So it was actually Mm -hmm. really soothing to see like, it's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say that, from your like what you've told me of your experiences so far it's it's confirmed some things i already kind of thought about <laughs> hospitals and doctors in china but actually some of it's been like quite refreshing um and pleasantly surprising yeah. so it's nice to hear i mean although you're sort of like a guinea pig <laughs> yeah for sure but i mean actually but, i've found other foreigner i mean i've heard of other foreigners who have had their babies at beijing university mm-hmm. hospital and they said that they were happy with how everything went which is great because yeah. i mean you don't really they the, the main thing that they say is whatever you're planning it's not going to go it's not going to go the way you planned <laughs> anyways so it's just it's nice to know that the like basically the majority of women who are delivering there have the, the kind of birth that I want to have, which is like natural with no intervention. So it's it's really soothing. And the nurses were really sweet because when I've done all this tests, everyone's been very curt and like they don't have the time of day to, to yeah. s- like yesterday when I saw the doctor was for maybe two minutes. She was speaking as quickly as possible, and there were women pushing me from behind. So it was, like, not really that pleasant. But then when I went into the delivery room, the nurses, like, they came over to talk to me while I was doing the test, and they were all really sweet, and they were speaking slowly, like, making sure they understood everything. So it was um, definitely left me with a really positive feeling about actually having the baby here. So we're... We're counting down now the days. <laughs> did the nurses, this is completely off topic, did the nurses have, like, those 1960s, like, <laughs> dresses and the, like, paper hats? Mm, no, they were they in didn't. scrubs. Oh, they were in scrubs. Some of the some of the nurses in there, in there do have that. Yeah. yeah. I find it so funny. There's a... Um, I don't know if there's... There used to be a hospital near where I live, but recently I've started to see nurses in the area again. They actually knocked the hospital down. I don't know if there's a new one somewhere that I don't know about. And I, I've seen them recently in, like, that um, pale blue colour, like, with the... I mean, like, <laughs> they have, in like, the aprons, 60s, usually, like, the 90s, like... Yeah, and an apron, yeah, white apron. Yeah. yeah. I just... I, yeah, it seems like I I have I have yet to figure out what the hierarchy is because it's definitely like whatever clothes they're wearing it corresponds with right. the hierarchy because there was like 
I think there was a purple nurses who are like, so they're dressed in purple scrubs. And I mm-hmm. think that they were like midwives or doulas because mm-hmm. they were the ones who would come over and talk to they me. They were in purple. They were in purple. Mm-hmm. And so they were the ones that would say like, hey, how, how are you doing? You know, like asking me some questions. Um, and then the doctors were wearing white lab coats. Yes. Yeah, and pant with like a usually with like blue scrubs underneath, oh, right. blue or green. But then they also had like other people walking around without who were in blue or green scrubs without the white coat. So I think it's a very if you know what's going on, mm-hmm. you can tell exactly who is who, who just too. based on their uniform. And that would be a very typical thing to have in China. Like, that, there's no names. Right. You're, you're just a number or a color. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in some ways, it makes things a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. Mm. But long story short, I'm getting psyched up for this. And um, I feel like it was just a really... It was the first time that I actually left the hospital being like... Okay, I can do this. Like, it's not going to be as bad as what I imagined it to be in the beginning. Because I never would have imagined myself having a baby in China. I always said, oh, if I ever got pregnant while I was here, the first thing I would do is, like, be on a plane and leaving. Just because I would get so paranoid about, like, what's in the water, what's in the food. But I I don't know. Hormones kick in. (laughs) <laughs> the thing is with your fir- it's like your first baby and everything I think it doesn't matter where you would be yeah. in the world you would still have you would still be nervous and like y- you've never experienced it before and it doesn't matter how many yeah. times people tell you it's going to be this way you know you, you just you know, you have to do it first, and then you'll know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's definitely and one of those still, And there's things. still time, because right now I'm still feeling cool and calm about it, but um, labor hasn't started yet, so... <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, do we have news this week? Yeah, we do, and this is like, you're talking about having a baby, mm. and this is sort of about not having babies <laughs> so it's re- this is funny and I'm gonna cringe all the way through this but I, I couldn't when I when I read this I was just like this is unbelievable but, um, <laughs> the headline is romantic guy tells girl he loves her with 999 boxes of condoms and a bouquet oh. of thongs oh yeah yeah Ooh. yeah didn't even know you could get them in China to be honest thongs yeah yeah I didn't know either <laughs> I guess Taobao. So, this took place in a public square in Harbin. Mmm. <laughs> wow, this just keeps getting yeah. worse. Um, so, he he says to her, this is the worst, this is the worst thing, he says to her, on average, a man will have sex only 6,000 times in his life. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I hope that every time I do, it will be with you. <laughs> Oh my god. Nara's about to spit her uh, yeah. soya milk all over Doesn't the table. Doesn't he realize condoms have expiration dates or is he trying to get all of it in like in the Yeah, next just two in years, the, yeah, like... in one in one sitting basically. Yeah. So if, I mean the the woman was just like obviously what the heck. <laughs> but um she she accepted the bouquet. Oh. The thong bouquet. The thong bouquet. <laughs> So he, the man, uh, had a microphone. I don't know where it came from. Uh, another, another yeah, time I know, that this happens, I know. these microphones just mysteriously just appear. And he, so he says to everyone, help yourself. <laughs> oh, God. So everyone just takes all of these boxes. Uh, it's good to know that people, at least in Harbin, are having safe sex for a <laughs> short time. Uh, so 
It said, uh, this is what it says in the article, one young woman was spotted leaving the scene carrying seven or eight boxes. Ooh. Passing pedestrians and nearby shopkeepers also joined in on the raid. One uncle was spotted biking away holding a box. <laughs> <laughs> one uncle. Oh, yeah. I just thought this article was just brilliant. <laughs> so, um, of course, though, um, what may have like swung the deal for this girl was the fact that he had a posh. Uh, uh, so, uh, someone who uh, was, I guess, a, uh, was commenting on this article had said, if he didn't have a Porsche, do you think he, he would have been successful? No. <laughs> Probably not. No. Uh, but you may have remembered that earlier, earlier um, I guess, it, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I told you about a guy who had tried to get a girlfriend with Pomelos. Yeah. Uh, but that <laughs> didn't really go so well. So, yeah, this is... And I don't know what it is with these, like, grand gestures. Like, these... And this is not even proposal. These aren't proposals. These aren't for marriage. This is just to get a girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, how, how do you... Why do you have to be so extreme about it? Hasn't anyone just heard of, like... Well, they go going pretty quickly, date? though, from... I mean, they don't tend to casually date, really, do they? Mm, No. At least that's from my impression, is that they don't tend to... Like, I don't know if I've ever met a Chinese couple who's dated for longer than a year before getting married. Oh, I do. You do? Yeah, I know I know a couple who... They've been, like, girlfriend and boyfriend for years and years. Oh, really? But they... But they... I mean, since they were in college, so I guess that's a bit... Maybe it's a bit different. Okay, because I feel like that's more unusual. Yeah, I guess if... It depends on how old they are, but let's say post-college, it just seems like they start dating and they get married. Yeah, it's after. pretty inevitable, isn't it's it? It usually like happens really quickly, from my, my impression, has been that way. But yeah. but, yeah, these, I'm surprised any of them ever work. I know. I, I've seen one of these, like, public proposals. It was near the office, actually, and the guy had... Oh. I can't remember. I think I oh, he had flower flowers. Petals. Yeah, I think, and he made like a heart on the floor. Did he have candles or something? And it, I mean, it was it was quite sweet because it was getting dark. So I th- oh. I'm sure he had candles as well. Um, that wasn't as I mean that this story is just I don't know. I wonder what the strategy is for being so public about it, because. I mean, I know I've seen, like, in the U.S., too, you have those where it's like, oh, you propose at a baseball game, right. and it's, like, on the big screen, and everybody's watching and stuff like that, but I think that's a rarity. I mean, yeah. most proposals are done very privately, but yeah. it seems in China it's more fashionable to, like, just put your heart... I mean, because that's... Mm-hmm. That is rough. If the girl rejects you and it's also in front of a bunch of people... Right, right. I, that's rough. Well, I would think one of the reasons to do it was so the likely girl saying no would be less. Like, oh, oh she... so you she, pressure, peer pressure yeah, her into I mean, marrying you? I, I feel as though... Well, okay, if <laughs> it's marriage... Or girlfriend. Well, yeah, even, even marriage. Some people would be like... They would just say yes because there are all these people looking at you and you would, I mean, unless you were really cruel, like the girl with the pomelos. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people would just be like, yeah, just just to sort of like, I don't know, not embarrass the guy, mm. maybe. <laughs> or, yeah, I just think it's, 
I, I I guess they just think it's like the most romantic thing you can possibly do is to to tell someone they really like them or love them in front of all of these people. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, that's what you do when you get married. It's like a public... I mean, it's public family, I guess, not strangers. Yeah, it's not on the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, any men out there who are listening, this is not the way to most women's heart, at least. Yeah, I wouldn't think so, because, come I on, don't think condoms so and a thong bouquet? <laughs> Let's be honest, that is, in public, that is not romantic to me, at yeah. least. I, I, there's a picture, oh, there are pictures of this proposal, um, and I could see the bouquet, but I, I really couldn't see <laughs> any detail in it, so, uh. You couldn't see, like, what the underwear looked like? I couldn't see anything, it just looked like a bouquet. Yeah, you're right about the whole thong thing, though. I don't think I've ever seen, I mean, I'm sure they sell them on Taobao, but I don't think I've ever seen a thong sold in a shop in yeah. China. Unless they've used thong just to be a bit more creative. It could have just been underwear of mm. any description. Yeah, because most hopefully of hopefully the... not those big granny ones. Yeah, I was going to say, because most <laughs> of the underwear that they sell here is still... Although I do see the cuts getting a little bit, like, more modern, like, bikini. Yeah. I do see more and more bikini cuts, but still it seems like the majority of women are walking around with these thick yeah. granny panties. And it's funny because I'm seeing more and more, like... Uh, lingerie shops popping up here yeah. and there, the, and they get they are getting more modern and a little bit more risque, I think. Yeah, but little bit. I don't. I I almost feel like the the women wearing the, that kind of underwear are few and far between. Yeah, I agree. And I think we've touched on this before, but the fabric choices mm-hmm. that they use for these are always so wrong. Like, if you're gonna buy up because these lingerie shops are usually very expensive. Yeah, because they usually take out prime real estate, you know, in the the most expensive malls in the city, and so they're selling them at these like really hiked up prices. Mm-hmm. But the fabrics are these cheap or just like scratchy. They're not like sexy fabrics. Like I haven't seen like really nice Mm-mm. like silks and like you know like high quality fabrics. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just some of it's them not classy. Not classy at all. It's very kitschy. I have a lot of dangly bits that are like these <laughs> yeah. cheap-looking rhinestones and stuff. <laughs> you know, like yeah, they have no, like in I the to- middle of the I bra, totally they've got agree. like this like sparkly like rhinestone, but it's on this like cheap-looking yeah. painted gold plastic piece. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, they don't do lingerie well in China yet. <laughs> That's not a expertise of theirs. Yeah, the French do it the best. I think I've, the French do it the best. They know what they're doing. <laughs> Fair enough. Don't want to argue with that. Anywho. Anywho. Yeah. So, um, we've got a comment from Kelvin. Oh. Uh, he left us a comment on Facebook about uh, our last episode. And we uh, we were talking about um, traveling in China and uh, how we feel um, like tourist attractions are... Um, disrespected a little bit mm, mm-hmm. so Kelvin was talking to us about oh, the Chinese standard we said how like we often talk about this this standard that is subpar basically so he said um, it, our our episode reminded him of a comment by a Chinese economist um, called uh, Wu Xiaobo and he this guy actually I assume it's a guy um, has his own podcast mm. um, historically this is what Kelvin says, historically the Chinese craftsmanship was great. Um, if you look at um, like masterpieces in museums, 
Um, for example, he said uh, Wu Xiaobo's explanation is that in the last few decades, no one was willing to pay for great products mm. and services in the Chinese market. However, um, due to the change in um, like accumulation of wealth in some areas, there is like a now there is like a growing demand. Hmm. Uh, so I guess that things will change. Like uh, people are more and more interested in viewing these masterpieces again. I guess. Well, I mean, there definitely are good quality products being made in China. Don't get me wrong. I mean, and you can see it. So I mean. It's happening very rapidly. They the peop, the consumers are getting pickier about what they buy and the quality and and things like that. Yeah. But what strikes me is how different this culture is from say like Japan where they are perfectionist, you know, where mm-hmm. you have somebody who literally spends his entire life making like soba noodles or whatever. So that right. he he grinds his own, like he grow. He knows exactly where all of the wheat is grown. He mm. grinds it all by hand. Like this, this perfection. I've never seen that in China. I've seen people who are like excellent woodworkers, yeah. But the quality of the wood that they're using doesn't mm-hmm. seem particularly um, exquisite. Let's right. say, like I still haven't seen. I'm sure that it exists in China, but on a mass scale, I definitely haven't seen a lot of mastery. Mm-mm. in China which is which is interesting because it's so so different from a place like Japan which is a neighboring country and Chinese people are going back and forth like the tourism to Japan is crazy yeah. but it doesn't seem like the the cultures are so extremely different when yeah. it comes to this kind of quality because it seems like the Japanese on the other hand are obsessive they're meticulous aren't they really? yeah not, I I've never been to Japan, but... Neither have I, but I mean, just know, using Japanese products, yeah. seeing what it's like, talking to right. people who have been there, meeting Japanese people, like, you, I just, it's it's a whole part of their culture, mm. whereas in China, you don't seem to have any of that, and that's really, I find that really fascinating, because geographically, they're so close, mm. and they share a lot of similar history, yeah. so it's, it's, um... It's inter- yeah, I'd I'd be interested to study more about why why this phenomena is mm-hmm. the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. So, um let's move on to our question. Okay. So, do you remember many moons ago we had a silent voicemail oh. from Christian? Oh, yeah. So, um so this question is from Christian and he says, "Hello, Holly and Nora. This is Christian Phipps from the silent voicemail." <laughs> I couldn't hear anything when I recorded it, so I was worried it wouldn't work. I had just said that I really love your podcast. Mm. Thank you. Uh, So he says, "Um, It has been incredibly informative and very entertaining. I'm moving to Shanghai at the end of this month, so it has been quite... uh, It has been a great insight. So, I mean, he left this message for us a while ago, so he's probably been in Shanghai for for a few months now. Oh, okay. He says, I had two questions for you. First, is it difficult to maintain friendships in your home countries or across borders? Second, what is the expat community in China like? Is it easy to become a part of or do you have to ease your way in? Thank you so much. I truly love listening to you. That's great. That means he's actually been listening to our show consistently because he heard us saying like, hey, 
Christian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Send us send us a yeah. message again because we didn't hear you. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Yeah. So thanks for listening and thanks for sending in your written question, Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we finally got to hear what you were trying to say. Yeah, I'm glad to. Um, so the first question about being difficult for for you to maintain friendships back home. What do you think, Holly? Okay. Um, so personally, yes, mm-hmm. it is difficult for me to maintain uh, friendships. Um, I, I guess it's just the way that I am. Uh, I'm. I'm just not very good at keeping contact with people. It's not, I mean, I think the thing, this is a shout out to all friends and family members of mine. <laughs> if you haven't heard from me, I, I'm still thinking about you. That's, that, you know, I, I am. It's just that I, and I often think about people and think I should really email them. I should send them a message. I should do this, do that. But I just, I'm just really bad at communication. Mm-hmm. I really, as I make a podcast. <laughs> Um, but I think in general for foreigners, no, I don't, it's not difficult. There are so many ways to keep in contact with family and friends. We've talked about quite a few in the past. Um, just because of the, the firewall doesn't mean to say that you cannot, uh, communicate with you, with your friends. You can still use, I use WhatsApp with my parents. Um, I mean, you can still use Facebook if you've got a VPN. There's some, there's, what did you, uh, Face, FaceTime even is now, right? Oh, yeah, FaceTime, so, we're using it all the time without You use the, it with your mom now, right? Yeah, we I, use I, it. I do too. Yeah, I mean, the call will drop sometimes, so mm-hmm. they'll have to reconnect, but it is so much better than Skype. I agree. And again, if, if all else fails, then I use good old Spaxtel to mm. give them a call, which is the absolute best, but obviously... Yeah. It's nice to see a face now and again, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice to see a face. Yeah. But what about you? Um, I agree with you. Technically, it's fine. Yeah. There, there are plenty of ways to get around. You know, you can you can still maintain that contact if you yeah. want. Um, I think it also depends on how long you've been away. You've been away. Yeah. yeah. Because if you're gone for a year and you come back, I think probably the important friendships that you want to hold on to won't suffer very much. Right. Um, but if you're gone for seven years, <laughs> like I've been gone. Right. Um, you definitely start growing apart from people. I mean, on the one hand, you have those friends who are, like, lifelong friends. It doesn't even matter if you haven't spoken to them for, you know, I have a few of the, a handful of those friends. I rely on them. (laughs) Exactly, who I'm like, even if I never, if I speak to them, like, once or twice a year, when Mm. we see each other, because we usually get to see each other at least once a year, that bond is is just, you know, it's, yeah, it's you just understand, strong, isn't it? Yeah, like, you just pick up where you left off. Right? Exactly. They're like your type of people. Yeah. And the same way with family, I'm not as good at keeping in contact as I would like to be, but when I see my family, it feels shouldn't, natural. It shouldn't matter with family in a way, should it? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but if you like, the fam, they're your family, like, if you, if you haven't spoken to them for a while, it's not, it's usually, there's usually a good reason. It's mm-hmm. not like you just forgot about them. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I find it kind of, because well, I have a planned, like, every week I chat with my parents yeah. on Sundays, because that's how actually growing up, because my grandparents, I never lived in the same state or anything as as any of my relatives, actually. Nobody, none of my other relatives are from Wisconsin. Um, 
So Sunday was always family day. So after church, then mm. we called grandma, then we called my other grandma and grandpa. And like, you know, we would just kind of keep in touch. And my yes. parents would call their brothers and sisters. So Sunday was always a day that everybody kind of reconnected. Um, <clears throat> so on Sunday, I always talk to my parents, which is nice. Like on the one hand, it kind of feels forced because it's like this planned. It's not very natural. It's not. Mm. But because like that, we grew up with this kind of system or whatever to make sure that you at least contact your parents or your, your siblings once a week. It's, um, it's nice to have that there because mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, a couple of weeks might go by and you might not, you just might be busy or might not think about it. And life is short, you know, but it isn't natural because, like, I've tried to do a similar thing, like, schedule a time to talk to my siblings, too. But it's not natural because I have three siblings mm-hmm. with their own They're families. They're all in different places, right? They're all in different places and um, time zones. <laughs> yeah. And so, it, like, I've, tr- I've tried to do it before. Okay, I speak to Bethany on Tuesday nights and then I speak right. to my brother on Wednesday nights and I speak to Abby on... But then you, your schedule is just full of these planned out Skype or whatever, mm. FaceTime conversations. And it really, cause some, you know, some days you just don't, you're not in a chatty mood. Right. Or you've got really nothing to say. Some weeks can just be sort of boring. <laughs> yeah, so it's like you have this appointment <laughs> mm-hmm. and then you've just, you know, if you, you look at obligated. it like that, Nora, <laughs> an appointment to talk to your siblings. Well, cause it's not nat, cause I mean, with my siblings, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them on a Sunday, you know, like once a week, call my brother up. No, like right. I call them when I feel like, when I'm thinking about them. Yeah. It's more natural and the same with my friends. And so I do find it hard to, because your life just kind of go. because the other thing is too, is like I would in the past, I will call my siblings or my friends when I'm having an issue. Right. But here in China, the issues that I'm having, it's hard for them to relate to a lot yeah. of the things. And also because I'm from a small town, so people are always like, over impressed by the fact that I live in China like oh it's so cool you live in China like <laughs> you know like you're so much better than me kind of a thing like an attitude because they oh. just really admire people who you know when you're from a f- small town they admire people who travel like go out so far mm-hmm. and so I also feel a bit like snob snobby in a way if I'm talking about oh my life in China <laughs> like I'm so important yeah. <laughs> So it's a bit awkward, like, I don't really, when I'm home, I don't like talking that much about what it's like to live in China. I mean, if people ask, it's fine, but I don't, like, openly discuss my issues or lifestyle here just because I don't like to rub it in, like, oh, I'm doing so much better than you. Look at you, you're a mechanic, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel the same way. There's that air, it's very subtle, but there's definitely that air of, like, oh, this person, you know... When I'm around certain people that they somehow feel inferior a little bit just because mm. it's like, oh, I'm out there and I'm speaking Chinese and like, oh, that's so cool. Um, so I try to be sensitive to that because that's the last thing that I want is for people to feel bad, just like they start evaluating. Because I think it's just it's so different yeah. that people start thinking like evaluating their own lives and thinking like oh why am i not doing something like that so it makes it a little bit awkward 
So mm-hmm. a lot of times when I'm with my friends back home, I, f- I don't feel comfortable to actually talk about stuff here. Yeah. Uh, I think on the other side, you become a bit of a, like an outsider because you're not really part of what goes on in yeah. your town anymore or in your, within your group of friends. Um, so you become, you like, I, I, I remember the, the first time Barrett and I went ho- to my home together and I'd gone out with some friends and they were talking about things and I was just like, I don't even know what, what they're talking about. <laughs> like even new words, like yeah. using these like, cause we're in, where I'm from, we use some strange words and we pick up new words that just have like to anyone else mean nothing. Yeah. So if you're out of it, if you're out of that loop and someone says that word, you're like, I have no idea what that means. And you, you realize how distant, I don't know, how, how far away you are from everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that language changing thing. And I can't imagine how it is for you. I mean, because I just feel like in England, especially in the north of England, people are so um, idiomatic. And, Mm -hmm. like, the language is, the language is, I cannot understand what the heck your uncle is saying ever. (laughs) (laughs) He uses so, his his language is so playful. Mm -hmm. He's, like, rhyming things with other things, and you're supposed to know what he's referring to. (laughs) He's, like, referencing pop culture that I have no, you know, like, I don't, or, like, English culture that I'm Mm. not, I I have no context for it. He uses, like, a billion synonyms for, you know, like, Mm. I don't, I don't understand. So it's, I can understand completely, like, for you, because I noticed also, oh, that, what does that word even mean? Like, what? Which is shocking because it's like you really feel that you are slipping behind yeah, culturally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting to think about. Yeah, but on the other hand, like we are still living. I mean, when you were saying there about how you feel like you don't want to talk about China because you feel like it's a bit, you feel like you're being snobby, like people see that you do like you're in China but in a way like it's nothing special or maybe it's because we've been here for so long that we just feel like we're just living normal lives we're not, I mean we're not really but yeah we're, to we're, me it's not special like I don't feel I don't feel superior right, exactly. or anything like that like, no not I w- at all oh no no I wasn't saying that you felt that way but I mean really like if this if they if they were to watch us like in a day in our, a day in our life like fly on the wall what do you do I get up I make breakfast I get on the bus to work, I work, I go home, I make dinner, I watch TV, I go to bed. I did th- those things in the, in England, except it rained more. <laughs> That's the only difference. And, you know, the people are a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's just that unknown, like, people just Im- tend to imagine how, like, they romanticize right. all of it. I, th- I think travel in general also for, cause a lot, I mean, it's definitely changing with this generation. A lot more of my friends do travel abroad, mm-hmm. but I still have a significant amount of friends who haven't right. or who have traveled once mm-hmm. in their lifetime abroad. And yeah. so this whole idea of traveling abroad is so exotic and luxurious to them. And so even though our lives are far from glamorous in China. When they're imagining it here, they probably think about, oh, it's so interesting, mm. you know, like, 
And also, just because we're on this side of the world, we have the opportunity to very easily travel to the Philippines, Thailand, Malaysia, you know, it's really Singapore, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's like on a weekend, you could be in Singapore or something like that. And that also sounds really snobby, because it's like, if, if you... If you're having a discussion and someone's, oh, did that ever happen to you? And you start the conversation, well, well, when I was in yeah. Singapore, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like I don't want to talk about those things mm-hmm. because it just makes me sound like this, like, butthole. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was in Prague, you know, like, because yeah. you have all these opportunities because, you know, now we're both married to men who are from different parts of the globe. So mm. we naturally have to travel yeah. on a regular basis to like areas of the globe that we wouldn't travel. So it's like, Oh yeah. When I was in Macedonia, I'm like, <laughs> you know, like look at me. I'm yeah. so important. I'm so well traveled. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's just, it puts that, it, it just, I stop myself from sharing a lot of things just because of that reason. Mm. Yeah. Because I don't want to alienate. I feel like that a lot of times will alienate my friends and family back home. Mm-hmm. With my close friends, I still think I do that. I still yeah. think I'm more careful about what I say. Just because I can see from their perspective, oh, that sounds so amazing and interesting. Yeah. Or on the other hand, I I don't say stuff because I just think to anyone else, this is not interesting. Mm. Like, to I guess, hopefully, to those listening, you have an interest in China and Chinese yeah. culture, but I don't think anyone's... Re- like, if you were to talk about something very typically Chinese, no one gets it. Hmm. So you almost feel like you just... You know, you're talking to an empty audience because no one's... Re- I, mean, not, I, I mean, not that that's a bad thing. Like, if you're not interested in China, it's no big deal. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, so I kind of... Yeah, I... I feel the same about talk, like what I have to talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, technically, so to sum it up, because then we should move on to the second part of the question. Yeah. Yeah. So to sum it up, technically it's not a problem to stay in touch with people, but I think the longer you stay away, the more, at least to me, the it's like a sift, yeah. and the more friends fall through the sift. But those ones mm. who are remaining are my lifelong friends. Yeah. And I love you guys <laughs> out there who are still staying in touch still, who are listening still to the hanging show. on to the yeah. <laughs> I love you guys. And I'm also terrible at keeping in touch, so it doesn't mean I'm not thinking about you yeah. either. But yeah, I'm also because I'm not a person who calls somebody in normal Me life either. Me neither. So that's just bad on my part. <laughs> yeah. So what was the second part of the question? The second part is, um, what is the expat community in China like? Ah. So it's sort of like, a, there are a few questions within the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it easy to become part of, or do you have to ease your way in? <laughs> I like that <laughs> phrase, that turn of phrase, do you have to ease your way in? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go in backwards and say, I think you do have to ease you in. I eased my way in by knowing, like a like a getting like meeting and knowing a couple of people, and then, you know, like you find yourself attached to a bigger group, 
and then a bigger group. Mm. You know, that's how it happened for me. But because so I'm I'm very socially awkward, so socializing <laughs> for me is really difficult. So to become part of any social circle, I really had to like force myself. Mm. So I would I'll tell you actually how it went. So I met two people when I first came to China, like brand new people. Mm -hmm. I met a guy called Alex who was from the UK. So we already had that like bond, you know, we were both from the same country. So we had something in common. Alex Schofield? No, um, yeah. So that was, he was like the first sort of person that I kind of like got to know a bit. And then, um, our friend Mimi, really. Like, after a while, you know, like... And then, so basically, one night I went out with her, with Alex Buckley and his friends, and then that's when I met Barrett. Mm. And then, so obviously, like, the circle grew because Mimi knows your husband, and I was working with him as well, so then Mm -hmm. I gradually got to know him. So it was like, it started off with a few particles, and then (laughs) it grew into a... A bouquet of thongs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I eased my way in. I was never gonna go to like, no. If anyone was gonna invite me to a party, there was I was never gonna go. Really, it was it had to be in small. I don't know, small patch groups of people, and mm. then to get to know a bigger circle. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think too. There's like there's different kinds of expat groups. <clears throat> oh yeah. Which we've discussed before. There's the the newbies. Well, actually, there's like the perpetual newcomers. So those who are in this perpetual, I'm in China and on spring break, basically, like, mentality. So these are the people who are partying every night. So they go out Mm. to the different clubs and and they're doing the same thing. Maybe they've been here for three, four years, but they're still in that same, like, expat community where it's all about just, like, having a good time, which can be fun. And I think that community is very easy to crack into. Mm -hmm. Like when you first get to China, I think that's pretty easy. People are, because after, I mean, these are people who are out partying. After a few drinks, everybody's friendly, right? Yeah. (laughs) So I think um, getting into those kind of groups is pretty simple. Like people tend to be really welcoming and like, hey, the more the merrier, you know, like let's have a good time. That's true, but you also have to be that socializing type, and also yeah, be. I'm not true. like I'm not. I'm, I don't. Make, this is sound. It's going to sound really harsh, but I don't feel like the people that you might meet in those groups. I'm. I'm not saying there aren't any, but I, they're probably not going to be like friends you can rely on. <laughs> probably not. But there are a lot of events that go on in uh, the cities um, mm-hmm. that you know you can kind of choose. You can kind of get a feel for what kind of people would be going to them based on what the event is. And also the price of the event can also be a barrier. Yeah. So, like, for example, in Shenzhen, we have... Shout out to Brent Deverman, who Mm. um, runs ShenzhenParty.com. And he has these wine and cheese events, which are pretty pricey. So, like, your typical, like, partier is not gonna... Although he'll probably spend the same amount of money on booze all night. Anyways, he won't shell out the money right away on an entrance. Um, but you get cheese. And that's a bonus. Yeah, you get cheese and wine, and the type of people who will go there are more, um, like... 
you know, they're higher, higher class of people, let's say. So um, if you're going to a wine and cheese event versus going to like a singles night at like a dingy club, mm. obviously the expat, expat community is going to be really different from yeah. where you go. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like, I mean, there's a, there's a strip of um, bars and clubs in Shenzhen that, I mean, you, you can go there and I'm sure you could just like latch on to a group of people. Yeah, you can just sit there. at the bar and at some point someone's probably going to talk to you. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Right. You, you could go out on a, you can go out by yourself. I mean, it's not something I would ever do because that, it would just be my worst nightmare, but, <laughs> uh, you could, and, and you could, you would probably end up, yeah, talking to someone and hanging out with a group of people. Probably. Mm-hmm. But I agree with Holly that it's, it's dif- more difficult to find those quality, fr- like it takes, it definitely takes time to sift and find those like real, real friendships. Sift is definitely the word that. Yeah, because yeah. you go through a lot, because I mean, there's, you're all expats, but you all come from different places, so there's cultural differences between, although you're way more similar to each other than to the Chinese mm. population for the most part. There's still a lot going on, like, subtext that's happening that you might miss or not be aware of. Yeah. And so these kind of things obviously make it more difficult to make meaningful connections with yeah. people. Yeah. And as you said, I mean, that how, that's how you started off, really. Um, it depends on, on what people are here for. Yeah. I mean... And their just attitude in general. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have... Because it is harder to... Obviously, it's easier to find those party goers because you just go where the party is. Yeah. But if you want to find people who are... Especially, I think it's hard, almost harder for women to find those. Although, nowadays with WeChat, I think it's a lot easier because you have these groups of people who share, like, interests. So I think it's way easier. So WeChat is a really helpful tool to find people in your area who are interested in similar things. Like you can join a English speaking photography group or like yeah. hiking group or swimming group or whatever. And you meet up with all these other expats or English speaking Chinese people who um, have this, who share this interest and you can kind yeah. of follow the conversation and you can connect with, you can like watch what people are saying and potentially like find, like say, Oh, this person has a lot like, God of good insights, I'd be interested to meet them. Mm. Send them a private message and say, let's meet up for coffee. Yeah. So the WeChat, I think, makes it way easier than it was before. I think before it was really hard to find, um, especially for women, because I just I feel like women tend to spend more time at home. Yeah. Generally? Well, it- this, is that fair to say? I think it that is. probably sounds really sexist. No, I, I think this, I mean... Not like that, a man would go out by himself right, at night. Exactly. And he can go to a bar and it's different for a guy to go to a bar on his own than a woman. Yeah. Especially in China. Yeah. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Well, this is going to sound wrong however I say it, actually. <laughs> if you're a woman and you go to a bar, you're going to get attention, but it may not be the attention you really want. Right, of course. Um, I, I think... Yeah, it, since, like, WeChat really kind of blew up, I guess, it has made it easier for women. 
uh, especially single women. Yeah. I, 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 from my experience, like when I'd been here for a year, like I'd, I'd met and lost contact with with single women who were in China mm. just because life for them was just it seemed so like difficult mm. not difficult oh, yeah yeah it was it seemed difficult it wasn't the same as like we were all lucky I mean not for the whole time but lucky enough to have like a, f- a friend that they already knew mm-hmm. or someone you could trust and or, 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 a, or a boyfriend or a husband or whatever I think it's different yeah, and what we talked about a bit um, in previous ep- like one of the first episodes was like our Chinese men good boyfriend material, which again it was not mm. very PC, but it was a really interesting topic to discuss. You can go back and listen to that episode if you yeah. haven't done so already. But for the men who come here, for the expat men, they have these Chinese women just crawling all over right. them, right. and like they feel like a kid in a candy shop. Yeah. Whereas for women. You might get some kind of attention, but it's not really the attention that you want. Mm-hmm. And the expat men that you might be interested in are probably still, like, browsing in the candy shop. Yeah. So it's, it is hard to make those, it's, I think it's hard for Western women in China to, to make meaningful, um, boyfriend and girlfriend yeah. relationships. I mean, that being said, both of us found our husbands in China, mm-hmm. so. <laughs> so it's possible but I do think it's hard I do think it's harder yeah and I've often wondered if I would have if I would have stayed so long Mm. if you know if I hadn't oh I don't think I would have met Barrett Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have either not that I haven't made some great friends here um it's it's just it's a bit it's just different isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah I can say yeah, I need him. I, if he wasn't here, I think I would have way harder time. I would lose focus. On I would I be do. a hermit. <laughs> Barrett forces me to be sociable. <laughs> He's good for you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what? I don't know. Where do we go from here? <laughs> well, I don't know. In a nutshell, kind of trailed I think- off. Yeah, no, I think in a nutshell, it's like, okay, you, I, I don't, I think in general, the expat community is very open in China. It's not, it's not like cliquish and closed. So it's not difficult Mm -hmm. to get into because like, because the way he said it, ease, like, you have to ease your way into it. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's because people are hesitant to socialize with newcomers. I think... Everybody understands each other in a way, mm. like, oh, you you just got here. Most people will be really welcoming and helpful to you. Like, you know, you'll fe- I think you'll feel very welcomed by the expat group. But that being said, to find those real, true friendships, I think it takes longer. Yeah. Just because it's, it's difficult to connect with people who share similar interests, who are... Because there's another layer to it because all the expats come from different countries and cultures and whatever. So it's not the same as, like, joining a group of, you know, photography lovers in the U.S. You can very easily evaluate, oh, these are my kind of people yeah, or these are right. not my kind of people. But here it takes a little bit more time to to feel that out. Yeah. So. Yeah, because yeah, it's, sometimes it's like we've all just been chucked, chucked in together. Like, <laughs> we're all mixed up, really. Yeah. 
So I hope, Christian, that that answers your question. And I'd be really interested to hear, because you said he sent it a little while ago. Yeah. So um, now that he's been in Shanghai mm. for a while, I wonder what his experience has been and whether he has joined an expat group and what he's felt about that. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to hear your feedback on that. So put it on the show notes, which is written.chinese.com slash episode... 72. 72. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I imagine it's easier in... Or I mean, I'm assuming it, it would be easier to make expat friends in Shanghai. Yeah. It's just my... There's thought. more expats in Shanghai than mm-hmm. I think any other city in China. Yeah. So, for sure. Cool. Do we have a word of the week, Nara? Oh, yeah. So, um, we've probably already studied the word pangyo, which means friend in Chinese. Um, but to say a good friend, you say haoyo. Mm-hmm. So, it's like good, like ni hao, haoyo. So, hao uh, means good and yo means friend. Cool. Nice. So, the links... To those characters on our dictionary will be on episode 72, as Nara said before. Oh, have you checked out the beta? Because I saw a test flight. No, it won't work. It doesn't work? No, I mean, it must be my phone. I'll have to ask one of the developers to help me. I just got the new beta of the Written Chinese Dictionary app last night on my phone, and I set up a study goal, and it is awesome. So basically, you pick a flashcard. I know, it's so great. I've been waiting so long. um, So the beta, it's it's getting there. There's just a few little more polishing that we need to do before we release it. But it's... um, you pick a you pick a flashcard set and then you set a date like I want to learn this flashcard set by like February yeah and then it feeds you every day which it says you need to study these and you need to it review feeds me. these it's what yeah. I need <laughs> feeds you so you, it takes the brain power out of deciding like how many words do I have to study every day and like what about do I have to go back and study the one like it will help you. Um, It'll calculate for you, okay, if you want to learn this set, which has this many words, by this time, you need to learn this many a day, and then it'll throw the words back at you periodically so that you mm, get, you this review. Is a set, it's got a name, hasn't it, that system? I think it's, part of it is based on the Littner or Anki system. It's one oh. of those flat, yeah, I forget, I have to ask um, Champson, but it's one of those systems where... It calculates, like, okay, if you haven't seen this word right. for X amount of days, then it's going to throw it back at you just yeah. to make sure that you yeah. know it. Cool. So it's it's much more sophisticated than the current version, and that's coming out very soon. So if you haven't done so already, download the Written Chinese Dictionary. Just search Written Chinese Dictionary in your app store, and you should find it. Yep. Awesome. Can't wait for that. Yes. So, got anything else to add before we skedaddle? Leave us a voicemail. We're still waiting for some voicemails. Writtenchinese.com slash voicemail. Do it. Yeah. And you can get (laughs) us on Facebook at facebook.com slash twowhitechicks, where you can leave us a message, uh, comment on any of our um, podcasts. And thanks again to everybody who has left us reviews on iTunes. Yeah, it's so awesome. Thank you very much. It helps so much, and it's so, like, Holly and I read all of them, Mm -hmm. and it's uplifting and makes our day. So if you haven't done so already and you like the show... Send us a review. It would be really amazing to hear from you. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you, and uh, hope you tune in next week. See ya. Bye.